All right, well, we are, this morning, we got a lot of work to do, and uh, I'm not confident I've got enough time to do it, so let's get after it here. We're covering four chapters of the Bible today. Now, we're not going to do that verse by verse, okay? But today, we're going to be looking at the first nine plagues uh, that came upon Pharaoh and Egypt, and then next week, Michael's going to preach on the last plague, the tenth plague, and um, that's kind of an ultimate kind of a corner-turning event for all of the Bible, so I encourage you to um, come and dive in with us there. You're not going to want to miss it. But today we have a work cut out for us. So we've been on a bit of a break from our Exodus series, and now we're returning to our Exodus series, okay? If you haven't been able to, to listen to those sermons, I encourage you to go back online and get caught up because it all builds on itself. And so if you're just hearing this one sermon, you've been gone a couple weeks, it might be kind of confusing. Where are we? What's going on? Uh, So the mp3 on the website is there for your blessing, so I encourage you to check it out. So here's what I want to do this morning. Simply this. Summarize the story, draw out some highlights, focus on one huge theme that stands out, and then connect this to our lives in Christ. We're going to summarize, we're going to draw out some highlights, focus on one huge theme, and then connect that to our lives, okay? So if you have a Bible, why don't you open up to Exodus chapter 7, okay? Exodus chapter 7. So we're going to get an overview here of of four chapters of Exodus, but before that, I want to start with a preview. So have you ever um, been really, really captivated by a movie trailer? You ever had that happen? Where you're like, man, this movie is looking good. I don't care what anybody says or what Rotten Tomatoes says. Like, I'm watching this movie because this trailer has drawn me in. Like, for my family, it was the most recent Star Wars trailer. It was like, that was almost more exciting than the movie, right? Like, let's watch that trailer. Dad, let's watch it again. Dad, let's watch it again. Fire it up on YouTube. Let's watch it again, right? That trailer of like, Star Wars, ah, can't wait. Sucking me in. I'm just so engrossed in in, in the wonder of what's going to happen in this story, right? Well, today we're focusing on the movie starting in chapter 7, but God has already given Moses a trailer. So flip back to chapter 3, starting in verse 20. 3, verse 20. And this is when God, before any of this that we're going to talk about today went down, this is when God met Moses by the burning bush and gave him his calling to do all these things that we're reading about. And he gives him this preview. He says to him, after he says, you're going to go to Pharaoh, you're going to command him to let my people go, he's not going to do it. And so here's what he says. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all the wonders that I will do in it. After that, he will let you go. See how it's all future tense? I will, I will, I will, he will. This is a preview. None of this has happened yet. It's just a promise. It's going to happen. There's going to be some wonders, right? Through you, Moses. So Moses had been wondering, like, what the heck does all this mean? What is this? Where does this lead? These wonders? And that's the point of the preview. It's supposed to pique your interest. So today, with this in mind, we get to see the movie. Okay? Now this movie is quite scary. And it's quite descriptive in its horror. Okay? So what I want us to do is imaginatively, like we've talked about before, when you're reading your Bible, try to place yourself in what's being described. Don't just gloss over. Slow down. Slow down. We all seem to slow down when we read our Bibles. Slow down and think about what's happening there. So I want to help us do that this morning, okay? 
So if you're unfamiliar with this part of the Bible, here's the essence of it. God says to Pharaoh through Moses, you got to let my people go from slavery because I have a plan for them, right? You can't stand in the way, Pharaoh. You've got to let them go. And Pharaoh says, heck, no way. And so Moses tells Pharaoh that some really bad stuff is about to happen, namely some plagues in Egypt due to the stubbornness of Pharaoh. And that's what happens. That's these wonders that God says he will do through Moses. So Pharaoh refuses. He's not listening. We've seen that in our series, right? So what's the first thing that happens? Number one, the Nile River turns to blood. This is the first plague. Now that's, that's pretty gross, right? Some of you are not good with blood, right? You see blood, you get kind of woozy. My friend Tony, he can't even like see blood in a movie or he'll like get nauseous and kind of lightheaded, Right? But it's not just about the blood or maybe problems that some of us have with the sight of blood. It's the importance of the river. See, if you think about how civilizations are built, a majority of civilizations around the world are built near water. Why? Because water is life. We die without it. So when you turn the, 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 the lifeblood of Egypt into blood... That's a heavy swing by God. He's not holding back. Like, this would have been a massive disruption for those people. Kind of like if all of a sudden the internet was taken away from us. Like, that would be a massive disruption. In our culture, the internet's lifeblood, right? Well, back then, it's it's water. Everything revolves around water in this culture. And it's not water anymore. It's blood. And the Bible says seven whole days pass like this. But Pharaoh has a hard heart. He doesn't budge. Round two, frogs. So next we have an infestation of frogs. Now, how are y'all doing with amphibians? You guys good? Probably better than snakes, I would imagine. Yeah, that's where I'm at. But frogs, eh, not a huge fan, right? Kind of nasty, especially the way it's described here. Look at Exodus 8, chapter 2. Exodus 8, 2. But if you refuse to let them go, behold, I will plague all your country with frogs. The Nile shall swarm with frogs that shall come up into your house and into your bedroom and on your bed. How would you like to peel back the sheets and there's some frogs there? Not good, right? And into the houses of your servants and your people and into your ovens. And your kneading bowls. So this is ubiquitous frogs. Frogs everywhere. That's nasty. So Pharaoh relents. And this is the first time that he says, okay, all right, all right, all right, right. the people can go. So then what happens? All the frogs die. And the Bible says you've got heaps of stinking frog carcasses all over the land. Hills of them. And the Bible says the land stunk. You can imagine, ugh. But once Pharaoh saw all the dead frogs, he's like, nah. Hardens his heart, changes his mind, just like God said he would. And here we go again, round three. Round three is gnats. Now, we have insects in the summer here in Madison, right? You know how you get those swarm of gnats that kind of come around your head, maybe you're outside of the grill or whatever. Just like, ah, get off me. It's so annoying, right? And, and, Oh, man, I just hate that when it gets really buggy and humid. Well, this was like that times a thousand. You can go on YouTube and and find a video of swarms of gnats. 
and you'll see clouds that can darken the land. And, and this is so bad that, that even Pharaoh's kind of like uh, sorcerers or magicians, the Bible says, they come to Pharaoh and they're like, this, this is a big deal. Like, we, we can't do anything like this. Th- they even tell him, this is from the hand of God. But still, Pharaoh's heart is not moved. So we go to round four. Round four is flies. We all hate flies, annoying, buzzing around our head. We have fly swatters in our houses so we can kill them, right? We took a trip recently to, um, well, it wasn't recently, about five years ago, to northern Minnesota. And I didn't know at the time that northern Minnesota has these big biting flies. Have you ever experienced that? We don't have that here very often. And man, I wasn't ready for that. Like these things, it's not like a bee sting, but it hurts. These biting flies. And it was bad. But the Bible says here that the land was ruined by this infestation of flies. Now, I, I don't know what kind of flies these were, but, but if it ruins the land, you know this was serious business. So, again, Pharaoh, you know, he's, he's a pendulum here. He swings quite a bit, as you'll see. He swings over to the repentant side, and he relents. And his flies are taken away. And then, surprise, surprise, he swings back. Changes his mind. Nope, they can't go. So we go round five. Round five is, really gets to the heart of things. All of the livestock die. A curse on all the livestock. So do you notice what's happening here? God is striking at the heart of Egypt, or any kingdom for that matter. What's the heart? It's money. It's wealth. See, if you take all the money from a kingdom, that kingdom's not going to have anything. We, we call the United States, where we live, a superpower because we're one of the richest countries in the world. It's all about our money. So if you take away all the money from a kingdom, that kingdom's not going to have anything unless that kingdom's not of this world, of course. But this kingdom was as worldly and idolatrous as it got. So God is tearing down those idols systematically. And any world superpower, Egypt was the superpower at the time, any world superpower is going to take great, great pride in their wealth. And in an agricultural system, livestock equals wealth. All the livestock die. And God is saying, I'm the Lord of this wealth that you think you have. I raise up and I tear down. I am sovereign. Not these false gods that you worship. You, you kill all the animals and the, and the economy implodes. You take away the water, the economy implodes. Think about how much business happens on the water. It's helped by water. You have the land ruined by flies, the Bible says. That's agricultural wealth. So, so we see here, God's not playing around. God's not playing around. But still, Pharaoh wants to bow down to himself and his stuff. And so we go round six, and here we have God striking the people directly. Boils. You ever had a boil? Like a horrible, painful skin lesion? Sore, really painful. I'm not a dermatologist, but I know that like skin problems can be some of the most painful And the Bible says that all the people and all the animals were afflicted with painful boils. 
Can you imagine how grumpy everyone was? Right? How traumatic this was collectively? Now, we're in this season, you guys got a message on Slack recently. We're in the season where everyone's sick. Like, literally, I think everyone in Madison is sick right now with something. And, and I've talked to multiple families here at our church that had, you know how that happens around the holidays where everyone in the same house gets the 24-hour stomach flu? Some of you have been there. I've been there. We've been there. It's horrible. You got that 24-hour window where it's just like, man, get out the hazmat suits. You know what I mean? Like, this is disgusting, and we're all just grumpy and feeling horrible, and you got little kids, and they need you, but you just want to, like, crawl in a hole and die. You know, just feel so bad. I mean, that's the worst. Now, imagine that kind of thing countrywide, right? Imagine what the city of Madison would be like with a 24-hour flu. I mean, it just shut us all down, right? And it's kind of like that, except with skin, like a skin disease. You're just painful, festering, swollen, right? This is serious business. It would have been a complete wreck, right? God's not messing around. But Pharaoh's heart, so hard, he's so prideful, not willing to bend the knee. And so what happens? Round seven, God sends hail. And this one is interesting because God gives the people a way out. If you read the, if you read the story, you'll see it. He gives the Egyptians a chance to listen and act by faith in God's word. He tells them, I'm going to send hail like you've never seen before. If you believe me and take shelter, you're going to live. So that, that's going to be an act of faith. You, if you believe my word and take shelter, you'll be saved. If you don't believe my word and don't take shelter, in, in my appointed way, you're going to die. That t- hail is going to take you out very, very quickly. Now, a couple of years ago, I don't know if you guys remember, we had a serious hailstorm. And the insurance companies were out everywhere. All the guys that come to your house that want to build you a new roof. Remember that? Just knock on your door, cold call, call you because, you know, it's time to work. So big hailstorm. It's got these storm chasers come. They want to, they want to build you a new roof, da 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 So I remember this day very, very clearly because I hear this, like, crashing on our house. And Kim is out with the kids. And I knew they were in the van, so I called them, like, just so you know, I know you're probably not going to do this, but don't get out of the van, okay? Just stay in the van until this is over. And, um, man, it was crazy. Probably golf ball size for a short period of time. I'd never seen anything like it. But a golf ball is not going to kill a cow. And that's what happens here. This isn't golf ball size. This is probably football size or bigger. Because it killed everything. Anything that's not protected, dead. So, devastates the land. So finally, after all this, Pharaoh has a change of heart. And he confesses. At this point, he says, I have sinned against the Lord. He says that. I've sinned. So Moses intercedes for Pharaoh, asks God to relent, and God relents. But once again, after that happens, Pharaoh hardens up his heart, changes his mind. So that brings us to locusts. Locusts. So I was going to show you a video. I don't think we have time but um, just go on YouTube, and you can search for locust infestation. There's a three-minute clip from planet Earth. It's crazy. Billions of locusts. You can visualize it in your mind, or you can go home and watch it on YouTube. I encourage you to do it. It'll just make the Bible come alive to you. But the Bible says that these locusts came in, 
And what they do, and they still do to this day some, in some parts of the world, they eat absolutely everything. I mean, billions, swarm, cloud of locusts. So there wasn't much left after the hail, but whatever was left, the locusts ate it all. So now you're dealing with a land that is absolutely barren. I mean, just think of what we've, what we've accomplished here, the, the taxonomy of what we've gone over this morning. This economy is absolutely destroyed. And then Pharaoh still hardens his heart, and God does number nine. He turns the lights out. Darkness. For three days, it says the people never left their homes. I can, I can imagine, in light of how the land was and what's been happening, why would you leave your house? So there's no light. God causes the sun to stop shining on the Egyptians. Utter misery in the land of Egypt. The hand of the Lord was heavy, heavy upon them. Probably like it's never been seen before. And finally, Pharaoh has had enough. And here's what he says to Moses. He says, don't you dare come back here again. If I see your face again, I will kill you. So Moses says, all right, you won't see me again. And that's it. That's the summary of the history of what happened leading up to the exodus of God's people from Egypt. But there's one final plague. And you're going to have to come back next week to hear about it. It's one of the greatest themes that ties the whole Bible together. So you're not going to want to miss it. So what are we to make of this? What do you think the first audience that was reading this for the first time learned about God? Remember, whenever we're reading our Bible, we want to think about them then before us now. The, the Bible wasn't written to us, but it was written for us. It was written first to an original audience. And these are Israelites, maybe a generation or so after the Exodus happened. And a lot of these people didn't know or weren't alive during the Exodus. And so it's all documented for them. And they're reading about this God that they believe in. So if you're reading this account of the plagues for the first time, what do you think you're hearing? What do you think you're learning? What are you learning about God? What do you think? I think the thing that jumps off the page is you probably learn that God is really, really powerful. No one can stand against the power of his might. And that's exactly what gets to the heart of what this is all about. Here's the point. God has, check this out, this, is, this ties it all together. God has a missionary purpose in showing his power through the nine plagues. Let me say that again. God has a missionary purpose in showing his power through the nine plagues. These nine plagues are not just random, like God's got nothing better to do. God never does anything capricious or randomly. So, so let's unpack this. So, so let's go back in time again. Let's, go, let's back up before the plagues. I want to show you this. It's so cool. Uh, Exodus 5. Turn there with me or, or scroll there with me. Starting in verse 1, Exodus 5. This is Pharaoh pre-plagues. Moses comes to Pharaoh, and this is what 
happens. Chapter 5, verse 1. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went and said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord? That I should obey his voice and let Israel go. I do not know the Lord. And moreover, I will not let Israel go. So did you see it there? What did he say? He said, who and I don't know. Who and I don't know. All of this is framed as a knowledge issue, right? By Pharaoh. Who? The Lord? I don't know. I've got no knowledge of this Lord you speak of. So if this is the starting point for Pharaoh, consider how God responds throughout the story of the plagues. This is a huge theme that jumps off the page because of the repetition of it that we see in these four chapters. Six times in the course of these four chapters, God says something very similar about why all this is happening. It's like this. It's like Pharaoh saying, I don't know this God. I will not bend the knee to anyone I don't know for a fact is more powerful than me. I don't know who you're talking about. And God essentially says, all right, I'll let you know. You're going to see, you're going to taste, you're going to feel, and then you will know. Let me show you from the text. Don't turn there, they'll be on the screen, because we're going to go fast here. Nile turned to blood, 717. Thus says the Lord, by this you shall, there it is, know that I am the Lord. Behold, with the staff that is in my hand, I will strike the water that is in the Nile, and it shall turn to blood. You shall know that I'm the Lord. Frogs, 8 verse 10. Moses says, Be it as you say, so that you may know that there's no one like the Lord our God. Flies, 8.22. But on that day I will set apart the land of Goshen, where my people dwell, so that no swarms of flies shall be there. So God spared his people. Egyptians got the flies. Israelites didn't. That you may know. So Pharaoh's going to see this. Wow, there's a division here. We're getting wrath. They're getting mercy. That you may know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth. Hail, 929. Moses said to him, As soon as I have gone out of the city, I will stretch out my hands to the Lord. The thunder will cease and there will be no more hail. So that, again, that you may know that the earth is the Lord's. Locust, 10.1. This is, this is less about Pharaoh, and this is more the missionary purpose for Israel. L- listen to this. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants, that I may show these signs of mine among them, that you may tell, so we're going to communicate something, we're going to instruct, you, you may tell in the hearing of your son, so further generations, like, like Rob and Jesse covenanted this morning, they're going to tell further generations, You may tell in the hearing of your son and of your grandson how I have dealt harshly with the Egyptians and what signs I have done among them, that you may know that I'm the Lord. So God's saying, I want to be known. I'm going to be known. i got a missionary purpose. You're not going to be able to plead ignorance about me. And then there's one more text that makes it all very clear of what's going on here. God just straight up tells Pharaoh why this is happening in the context of the plague of the hail. Uh, Look at 9.14. God says to Pharaoh in chapter 9, verse 14, For this time I will send all my plagues on you yourself, 
and on your servants and your people so that you may know, there it is again, that there is none like me in all the earth. For by now I could have put my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence and you would have been cut off from the earth. Here it is, verse 16. But for this purpose, the purpose of knowledge, the purpose of missionary spreading of the greatness of God's power in all the earth, but for this purpose... I have raised you up, Pharaoh, to show you my power so that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. See it there? See God's missionary purpose? You feel that repetition? This is not random. God's power has a missionary purpose. God's power as God allows people to see who he is. His works interpret his person. You want to know someone, really know someone, watch them work. That's what God is saying here. You're seeing who I am and by what I'm doing, and I want you to know me. In fact, I want all the nations of the earth to know me. And through all this, Pharaoh, you, you think you have a chance, but you, Pharaoh, you think you've got a chance against me, but, but you're simply accomplishing my purpose to make my glory known in all the earth, among all the nations of the earth. So first audience and us gets to see something jump off the page. God wants to be known in all the earth, and he will use his power to make himself known in all the earth. This is God's missionary heart. God's power known in all the earth. This is why we have such a strong emphasis on church planting in Madison and among the nations, Ecuador and North Africa. Because God wants to be known in all the earth. He's known through his family, a missionary family, gathered together as a city set on a hill, going into all the earth to see his glory known. This heart, you can draw a straight line to where we are today in Madison. God will be known in all the earth. But I think there's something else that a first audience would learn from this text. The issue is this. How are you going to respond to this knowledge? How are you going to respond to this knowledge of the Lord? As you see the power of God, there's essentially two options. Number one, you can choose to be like Pharaoh, to resist his power, and then you will relate to him as your judge. Did you catch that? In light of the knowledge of God, I'm going to resist that knowledge, hate that knowledge, and then I'm going to have to relate to this God as my judge. Secondly, you could choose a different path. You could choose to embrace this knowledge of God, submit to his power, and find then that you relate to him as your Savior. And therein find life. So there's only two options. There's only two options here. God can be your judge because you exalt yourself over him, or God can be your savior because you choose to embrace him as Lord. So so God continues to use his power to make his name known in all the earth. And in the Old Testament, the big, huge, massively important event that's referenced all the time in the Old Testament 
is this, that we're going to see this week, next week, and the week after, the exodus. God's power working through Moses to bring his promised covenant people out from the land of Egypt into the land of promise to make him a people in his place with his presence on his proactive mission. That's the biggest deal in all the Old Testament, the exodus. Over and over again, you hear that God's people can trust God. He's worthy to be trusted. Why? Well, remember the exodus? Remember that? Don't forget about the exodus. That's why you can trust God. That's why you can have faith in God. He is our Savior. He judges our enemies, and he saved us. But in the New Testament, there's a shift. There's a shift. The big, huge, massively noteworthy event that is is referenced all the time is the resurrection of Jesus. This is the New Testament version of Exodus. The exodus of Jesus from an ancient Roman tomb. God wants to be known and he will be known in all the earth. But now the message is not, look to the power of what God did in the exodus anymore. That's not it. The message now is, look to the power of God in the risen Savior and repent and believe. That's the message that radiates out through all the world now. This is our vision as a church. This is our calling as a church. This is our passion as a church. Go and tell about this. One way or another, tell them about God's resurrection power. He raised Jesus from the dead, and he can raise you from being spiritually dead. See, Jesus is not dead. He's alive, and again, he will have no rivals. Just like Pharaoh had no chance of competing with the power of the plagues, now, in our day, no one can compete with resurrection power. God is God. He is the Lord. Before Abraham was, I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the everlasting God. His kingdom shall have no end, and he will rule forever. This is King Jesus resurrected. So now, we get to sit on the throne like Pharaoh, and we too have a choice. In light of the clear display of God's power that is a historical fact, seen by hundreds of witnesses, just like the nine plagues were seen by thousands and thousands of witnesses, in light of this, we have a choice. Will you relate to God as Savior or judge? Which will it be? Those are the only two options. The Bible doesn't give another one. Savior or judge. And so, I just want to say this morning, you don't have to go the way of Pharaoh. Some of you this morning are are flirting with a really hard heart towards God. And let let me just plead with you. Don't be so foolish to think that you're any different than Pharaoh. That you can look at what God has revealed. For Pharaoh, it was through Moses. For us, it's through God's word. Don't think you can be the exception. When God has clearly revealed his power and you're like, eh, I like my power a little more. I don't need to listen. So you don't want to go that route. Let me plead with you, don't do it. Don't harden your heart. You have no idea the destruction 
that comes with a hard heart towards God's resurrection power. Repent of your hardness of heart and experience the joy of submission to King Jesus. You don't don't want God to be your judge. He offers through the cross and the empty tomb to be your father. You can know life. That's so much better. Some of you this morning don't have a hard heart towards God. You just need to learn some more stuff. You just need to be taught more. You need to see and experience the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of God. So just let me say this. Just stay put. Keep, keep showing up to church. Keep showing up to city group. Keep sharing your faith with your neighbors and family and coworkers. Keep serving. Keep practicing generosity. Keep reading your Bible like crazy. Keep praying. Just you stay on the path that you're on. You don't have a hard heart. You just need to grow. You just need to get to know God through his appointed ways of, of doing that. And, and most of you this morning are evidencing a true soft heart. And we see that in your lives. We see that. You're relating to God as your Savior, and it's brought about a sweet humility that isn't always comfortable, but you know that in the end it always leads to joy. You don't know this God as your judge. You know him intimately as your Savior. You love him and see the beauty that comes from humility before him. So, man, here's what I would say to you. Let's just keep doing it. Let's just keep doing it. God loves to tear down the proud, and he loves to lift up the humble. That's just a straight biblical promise. So do you need lifting up this morning? Man, let's stay down. Let's stay humble. Stay humble. Pharaoh-like pride only leads to destruction, but embracing the saving power of God in humility turns God into our Father. Nothing to fear, no condemnation, no eternal plagues, just security, promises one day fully fulfilled, and joy forever. That's a way better choice. So which will you choose? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for what you have done in and through us. Thank you for the fact that you have given us your word. Thank you so much for the fact that we can know you as father and not as judge. Lord, thank you for the cross where you took our sin upon you and judged our sin in you so that we can go free. Lord, that mystery is so beautiful. Thank you so much for it. May we rejoice this morning in light. In Jesus' name, amen.